Hey, Dan. Good to see you. All right, what are we working on today, man? Well, um, I don't know. I was thinking like maybe arms, uh, maybe back and chest. Can't forget the glutes, my friend. Can't forget them. About that. Um, so yesterday, I was uh, in the bathroom, <clears throat> and when I was wiping, I guess something happened. Involuntarily, I clenched and just snatched up all the toilet paper. And it was just there. I didn't really feel the toilet paper that got grabbed, and it was just there until I took a shower later. Gross. But that happens. Okay. Um, but I was thinking maybe we'd wait a week or so. All right, well, chicks love a fat ass, but you're the boss. All right, we're back. We're talking love. First, we're going to take a, a letter. And let's just see if we can help this young person out, all right? Hey there. I've been dating a man now for eight years who is a loving, awesome person in many ways. He adores me, and he treats me like a queen. The problem is that I don't want any of it anymore. He struggles with alcoholism and anxiety. Cannot hold down a job. He still lives like a college student just scraping by, despite being in his 40s. I decided 40 years ago that he's not what I'm looking for, as a divorced mother of two, despite his many good qualities. Because of all these issues, mainly that he has no money, he still has not left my space. He lives in denial and treats our relationship like we are mutually involved when he knows exactly how I feel. I want him to move out. And it always comes down to the fact that he has no money and really can't get another place in our ridiculously expensive town. I don't have the heart to throw him out on the streets. And he does not have a single friend who would let him move in due to his history with drinking. He goes to a therapist and he says he understands and doesn't want to hold me hostage in this relationship, but he just does not stop. I don't want to live with resentment and anger toward a dependent person who obviously cares more about his own self-preservation than releasing me from the relationship I no longer wish to be a part of. I have said and done everything short of changing my loss and physically restraining him from my home, which I just cannot do. What can I do to finally initiate change? So glad you asked. Okay, first of all, man's an alcoholic, doesn't really matter, but I understand that it's difficult to live with people that have those kinds of problems. What concerns me more is that in his 40s, he's unable to hold down a job. It's very disappointing. Now, you've said everything that can be said. I don't think that you need to change your locks. I think what you need to do is start being so disgusting that he knows this is all due to you wanting him to leave. Start out by eating a lot of ethnic food. Go to the bathroom. Never flush. Matter of fact, start using the bathroom with the door open. Now, you said that you're a mother of two, so perhaps your kids are running around, and that is a horrible example to set. But instead, they're watching you take care of what is basically a homeless man. So, I think that it's okay to, you know, just gross out a little bit. Let's stop trimming your toenails. You didn't say where he is sleeping in your home, but on the off chance that you were sharing a bed, leave those toenails nice and long. Let him know. There's no love here. Stop shaving those legs. 
and you didn't mention it, but good God, I really hope that you're not still having sex with this man, as that does lead to people's delusions of potentially turning something around, or if nothing else, just mistaking the dynamic of your relationship. Another thing, I would invite him to sleep in your bed, and then you know what you do? You urinate all over the place. I'm talking drink one of those big things that people carry around, like drink this much water in a day, and they just got the big jug. You drink one of those late at night, and I know it's gross, but you need to really get your bed soaked with urine, and if you can, shit in there. Matter of fact, another idea. There was a horrible woman that I once knew who ate a lot of Mexican food and then had anal sex, and when the man pulled out, it was like someone had just uncorked her, and feces went everywhere. Took a long time to clean it up. If you're still having sex with them, consider that. Don't take the, the precautions that most do before a heavy session of anal and really let him get in there and just shower him in your feces. Let him sit in your excrement and question all the decisions that led up to the shower that he will have to take afterward. Also, if you're not bringing men home to sleep with, give that a try. Let him know you're out there you're having unprotected sex with people that you don't know, you've moved on. And maybe after looking in the eyes of one of these men, he'll either acknowledge it's time for him to go or he'll say something to that man and that man will ask him, what are you doing here? Are you homeless? Oh, you're the alcoholic dude who can't get a job she was telling me about. Fair enough. If you'll excuse us, we need to have loud house-shaking sex for at least 30 minutes. Please, if you hear her scream out for help, know that she's not calling for you. She's probably just egging me on or praying to whatever God she believes in. Matter of fact, bring the guy by in some kind of biking shorts. Let him see the full girth and vainitude of this man that you've decided to bring home and have sex with. Let him hear all the screams. I mean, really give him a show. Don't go too much. Don't let him think it's not real, but let let it be loud enough that he's like, Jesus, I've really got to move out because this woman's going to get herpes and it's really hard to sleep with somebody rocking that ass the way that this new guy is. If those don't work, <sighs> there's always bad chicken. Now, I know that that sounds crazy. You serve him up a full bucket of KFC chicken that you've left outside or open in a car for uh, two to three weeks, you give him that bad chicken and let him shit himself to death. He'll have a lot of time to think about things. Hopefully that was helpful. We're going to take another call. Okay. Ah. I think I found this stupid fucking frisbee. Jesus, this is a tall tree. Holy shit. What the fuck is happening to this neighborhood? Stop right there, crackhead, and I'm not fucking around. Whoa, wait a second. There is no crack. Um, what are you? Nah, dickhead. Never seen one before? You're in my tree. You don't look like an elf. 
No, that's not what I'm... I'm just saying you look scary. Um, aren't you supposed to have, like, cookies in this tree? Don't worry about what's in this tree, alright, asshole? I have a job, okay? We don't all make cookies. Jesus, do you think all elves are alike? I... Are you threatening me, or are you trying to wake me up? It's really hard to tell. I, like, I don't really like talking to strangers like this. There are no cookies here. I don't look like whatever elf you thought you were robbing. So why don't you get out of my tree, and I will go back to trying to satisfy my wife like I was doing before you broke in. No cops. So, I did this uh, stand-up show yesterday. First one in a really, really long time. And it made me remember this story that was like 98% true that I used to tell and I hadn't thought of it in a really long time, so I thought I would share that. Uh, except for I'm going to give the real version, not the joke version. There's very little difference except the ending. Um, so this was... It was a random, it was like a Wednesday night. It was. And I had been out uh, with some co-workers at a happy hour. I forget why I was heading to the Pentagon. I don't think I had a date. Um, but I was. I was heading to the Pentagon and I was saying goodbye to uh, an old friend who is attractive. But most importantly she has a huge ass and I have always been an assaholic so I, I hugged her goodbye and then I watched her walk away this was my mistake because I was watching her ass as she walked away and I just knew that I was getting on the right colored train because I wanted to be on a yellow train which would have taken me to the Pentagon Instead, I stared at her ass and backed up onto a green train. Without breaking out the full map of Washington, D.C., the difference between the yellow and green is they both go the same direction south for a little bit, but then they break off. Yellow goes down into Virginia. The green goes off towards southeast D.C., if you don't know, Southeast D.C. is a very dangerous place. I have only been to Southeast D.C. a few times. The real Southeast. There are There is a nice portion of Southeast D.C. now. I went there a lot. The Southeast where you could fear for your life, I visited much less. One time for sex, but that's another story. So... I get on the train, it's late, I start playing with my phone, and I'm just in the zone. I think I might have been candy crushing. So at some point, I look up, and the sign outside the window says Anacostia. Anacostia is a very bad neighborhood. The opposite of the Pentagon. So I've got my headphones in, but I'm listening now and I hear the guy behind me say, I don't know about y'all, but.
but I ain't getting off until he gets off. I didn't turn around because I didn't want to confirm that the victim was me. However, I, like a scared white woman, waited a few stops before I got off. I wasn't about to get up right after he just said that. So I eventually get off. Fortunately, nobody follows me. Everything is fine. I wait like 20 minutes for the next train. And I was high. I never bring that up at the beginning for some reason, but I was super de duper high. So the next train comes after I've waited all this time. I jump on, the train takes off, and then it dawns on me I am still going in the wrong direction. I get off that train. Now the platform is closed. I have never been on a train platform when it's closed before at this point in my life. So it took a really long time for that information to sink in. Like everybody keeps getting off trains or everybody was leaving. And I'm looking at them like, why is everybody leaving? I forget what time of night it was, but if the trains closed, it was very late. I want to say it was like one ish in the morning. So eventually I do understand that the platform is closed and there will be no train coming to take me back. What happens next? I can't fully understand why I did it because I had a lot of friends reach out to me the next day and ask why I didn't just call someone but that was never a thought in my head as a matter of fact I could have just taken a cab home and it would have been maybe less expensive than the night that I ended up having um, so my first thought is to Yelp. And since I actually have my computer here, I'm going to read the Yelp review that led me ultimately to this place. All right. So I finally found the review. It took me forever to navigate Yelp. All right. So I start looking and I find this budget in, and that is the name budget in I N N and they are at 3131 Branch Avenue in Temple Hills, Maryland, right next to the Naylor Road Metro, which is where I was. So this is the review that I found. It is by a Michael G posted December 6, 2010. Young, this is my shit right here. Low prices Security is impressed. You can have mad parties here, and it's right by a strip club, liquor store, and a metro station. Now, I forget the language that I use in the joke, but that's his exact review, and that's the review that I read late that night and thought, okay, this place might just be for me. I also looked at a Holiday Inn and they wanted like 140 bucks or something ridiculous for one night. And I was like, what? Never. What is funny to me is that my review 
was posted December 6th, 2012. Two years to the day after this dude posted his review and I posted mine. And what's funny is he's got 11 people that marked his review useful. 14 people found it funny. Five people found it cool. I had 11 people find mine useful and 14 people found it funny. Uh, I'm going to read what I wrote because I wrote a long review to stop anyone from ever going to this place. By the way, they are unclaimed on Yelp, probably because they're at two and a half stars with only three reviews. And I'll read you the final person's review. They also gave it one star like I did. So I recount, I recount my story of getting lost. And then I go, $95 a night is not inexpensive, especially for the area, which it isn't. Like when I used to get hotel rooms back when I was still in my mom's, but I wanted to like take my old girlfriend to a hotel for the night so we could screw. I would pay like 50 bucks and we were in a nice clean hotel, but we also lived in a pretty nice area. So 95, that's very expensive to me. And uh, I assume that that's because they are right next to the Metro. But as I write, but for that price, I should feel comfortable enough to hold the remote. Let's go through my night. I go up to my room and I walk into what smelled like a cloud of bum deodorant. I feel a little bad because I, I hate calling homeless people bums, but anyway. After adapting to the smell, I reach for the remote, which is sticky. Now, when I walked through that smell, in the joke I describe it like there was a mist of urine in the air that I had to walk through, I still remember opening that door and getting smacked in the face with so much ammonia and um, I grabbed the remote which was sticky and I put it down almost immediately like I hit the power button and I was like ew and I put it down and I was like ah you know it's semen and what sucks more is that after I put the remote down porn was was what was playing on the television when I hit the power button. So now I know I just touched somebody else's speech. Speech? Yeah, I'm going to call it that. We can call it ooze, goo, ejaculate, whatever you prefer. Um, exhausted. I pull back the covers on the bed. I got a good corner back before the open condom wrapper that was in the middle of the bed led me to put the cover back down. I would sleep that night in my suit with my shoes on. That's how nasty the room was. The microwave, surprisingly, wasn't too dirty. Uh, it was spotless compared to the room, but it also looked like it had been taken from 1992. The towels to the shower looked like something people wash their car with or to clean a slave's wounds with. That was good. In the joke, I say that it looks like a cat just fucked it. 
So no, I'm not going to touch it to my skin. They did look like tattered rags clean a slave's wounds with. It may seem like an exaggeration, but trust me when I say this was the filthiest hotel I've ever slept in. The homeless man at the end of my hallway looked to be getting good shut-eye while I was leaving this morning because I did have to pass a homeless man. And here was the thing. They had like little, it's not a room, but it was like a door that you had to slide your card in order to get to your room. And the fact that the dude was sleeping right outside my room, I was like, well, how did he get in? Because he didn't have a card to swipe it. All right. Now, having said that, that was my review. Um, and then in 2015, the third person wrote, two hours after checking in, my girlfriend got bitten by a bed bug and we decided to leave. The manager refused to refund the $95 we had paid, despite the fact that we had only been there two hours. And we offered the evidence of my girlfriend's clearly visible bites and the live bed bug we caught in one of the disposable cups from the room. Sick. I'm glad that they came with the proof, though, because the fact that they were in there for two hours, my first thought was, okay, so you screwed in there and now you want your money back. But, yeah, if you came with the proof, good for you. That place is so nasty. But here's the thing. So I paid $95. Would have been cheaper to get a cab. Friends were like, why didn't you just call me? I'd have come and picked you up. And honestly, I was like, well, it was 2 o'clock in the morning. I didn't really want to wake anybody up for that. I finally did get back to work the next day. I smelled because I hadn't showered. And I remember my supervisor saw me wearing the same suit that I had on the night before. And the first thing I said to him was, I don't want to talk about it. I know that you know that I'm wearing the same clothes I had on yesterday. I guess you could call that a gentleman's walk of shame. Actually, I'm glad that I did go look back through those Yelps because uh, there is a review that I want to read, but I'm going to... Uh, read it with a bit of a entertainment behind it. I honestly hope that this guy didn't lose his job, but he did kind of deserve it. Okay. So with further ado, without further ado, here is a review that I wrote of the Greyhound bus station that is in union station in DC. I wrote this after I already moved up to New York, but I had to use it to come home. <clears throat> I call this review, on a scale of 1 to 10, my experience with Greyhound was feces. How do you define good customer service? My definition is pretty simple. Keep your customer happy. That is, of course, assuming that the customer is being reasonable. And I feel that my run-in with Greyhound on October 19, 2015 was the perfect example of a reasonable customer receiving poor customer service. I would like to begin by letting everyone know that this matter is over $20.50. I am employed, so all of the energy put forth to rectify my sour ordeal comes from a place of disappointment and a little anger. Let's begin. 
and live in New York City, but was in Washington, D.C. on Monday morning. Due to some delays on the train, I'm in a situation where I'm racing to Union Station trying to make the 4 p.m. bus back to New York. I purchased my ticket earlier that morning. I ran up the steps to the bus and arrived at 4.02 only to be told that the bus had just left. Those buses are never on time until you're late. But I was late. The same employee that told me the bus left advised me that if I wait in line, I can have a seat on the 5 p.m. bus. So I stand and wait patiently for the 5 p.m. bus to begin seating. As they begin to let people onto the bus, I am stopped by the woman who asked for my printed ticket. Let me just say, I find it very redundant to make customers print a ticket when Bolt, Megabus, etc. are able to look at the emailed confirmation on your phone and let you proceed. However, I did not print a ticket as I initially ran to the 4 o'clock bus. So, with 7 minutes until the 5 p.m. bus was scheduled to leave, I was told to go to the counter and get a ticket. I walk inside the Greyhound service station and stand in line. There are two employees inside, and both are currently helping a customer. A man, Rick, asked me what I needed in a pretty rude fashion, and I told him I needed a ticket printed out for the bus that's leaving. He directs me to a kiosk where you can print out your own ticket. I questioned whether I would be able to apply to me since my ticket was for a bus that had already departed, but he interrupted me several times as I questioned him, so I played along. The ticket would not print. So, now that it won't print and I tried things his way, I was allowed to finish a sentence. Rick listened to my short story of missing the bus and waiting while scowling, then croaked, You need to buy another ticket. I took his attitude and was too exhausted to reciprocate his energy. Look, I don't want to go back and forth with you. The man outside told me to get in line and I just stood there for 50 minutes. If I knew I would need to buy a new ticket, I would have left on another bus. I paid for my ticket. I just want to go home, please. But Rick was not budging. It is rare that I speak with someone's manager or ask to speak with someone's manager, but I was in a rush, and I did not feel like my request was unreasonable. Well, when I asked Rick, had the pleasure of barking, I'm the supervisor, which meant there would be no hope for me. I looked behind him on the wall and saw the general manager's name was Mark Taylor. He spouted, You tell him I said you need to buy a new ticket. When I asked for his name, he threw it at me while running out the door. My guess is he had to go knock the ice cream cone from a small child's hands. I joke, but it's possible. So, angrily, I walked out and bought a ticket for Megabus. Greyhound would not be getting any of my money that day. I called Greyhound's customer service and spoke with a very polite woman who created a report. I should point out that Greyhound has a no-refund policy, but I have a pretty good policy of only paying merchants when a service has been provided. At this point, I paid $20.50 to have an unpleasant exchange with Rick. I've tried to contact Mark Taylor and tell him how horrible my experience with Rick was. But he's a tough man to reach. If you call the Union Station Greyhound desk, no one answers the phone. I even called another location to get a better phone number and was told they barely pick up when I call over there. Here's a fun exercise. Read the Yelp reviews for this particular location with a link provided. 
108 reviews sitting at two stars. Littered with awful experiences, stories of poor customer service, and much more. How does the company operate with such poor word of mouth? Because we allow them to. We continue to give our money and say, it's okay they treat people like expletive. I do not want Rick to lose his job, but I hope that Mark Taylor reads this and has a conversation with Rick. I want them to commit to better customer service, as I was not the only person spoken, spoken to rudely during that brief time in Rick's presence. Even if the answer was still no, I would not feel quite as angry had I been spoken to politely. No one has to be in customer service. There are other jobs. Thanks for reading. Hello? Is anyone there? Give me all your money! <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry about that, man. Holy Trump. Are you alright? I'm not alright. I'm not alright. You should make me Trump in my pants. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. I'm sorry about that, man. I can totally smell that, too. Look, my bad. I owe you. Alright? I said I don't want to talk about it. You don't owe me anything. You are dead to me. I'm going to clean some of the trunk out of my drawers because I got to get out and vote. Don't ever speak to me again. You are a dead person.